Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. There's been a shift, in my opinion, that it. I I feel like for a season there was a, some level of like neutrality almost that existed in society where you know, kids were kind of available to, to hear from, from Christ at an early age. But I feel like what I am seeing in the world, what I'm seeing in education, what I'm in public education, is that that neutrality is being taken away and there is a active move from the world, from the enemy of our souls, to, to skew that the other direction at an earlier age. And... And to your point, that is the, the reason why we need to pray. That is why we need to have this presence in our community saying that there is an alternative to everything that is being spewed at them by everything else. God, we thank you. Lord, we ask you would speak to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we have two more weeks in our study on the book of Nehemiah. And today we're going to be taking a look at what it looks like when we celebrate what God has done amongst his people. Do you need to celebrate? There, at my, <laughs> at my, my other job as a, a director in an IT company, a national IT company, where we're constantly acquiring other companies. And so we have a, a large presence across the United States. We just acquired a presence in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Iowa, Florida, Arizona, Oregon, and it grows and grows. And we have this process that we go through because we have acquired so many companies where it is... A, a, a checklist, a recipe, a procedure for how we integrate this company into the larger company. How do we bring everything that they do into what we do? Barb, you probably know a lot about those things. <laughs> and, and at the end of this list, we call it echo phase. At the end of echo phase, we have this, this line item on the, the procedure that says, pop the bottles. <laughs> and I have been through... I don't know, probably four or five different integrations, four or five different acquisitions that, that we have, have gone through. And it seems like we never quite get to the phase of popping the bottles. And, you know, let's take that figuratively or, you know, literally, however you want. Um, I personally don't drink, so maybe we're popping a, a root beer bottle. I don't know. But, <laughs> but whatever that looks like, that celebration, it never really comes because there is always something that needs to be fixed. And yet, there has to be a time of celebration, a time of, of stopping. Now, okay, moving away from that, that illustration, that example, to anything that is happening in your life, the, there has to be these pauses of looking back at, at your life and saying, this was a momentous occasion. Something uh, relevant, something uh, noteworthy has taken place, and it's time now to celebrate that. 
And even if it's not like the huge thing, like pausing for a moment and, and saying, man, in the midst of all of this other stuff that I'm still dealing with, in the midst of the struggles, the difficulties, the hardships that I am facing on a daily basis, and from the outlook of things, we'll continue to do so for the foreseeable future, I can still rejoice and, and be glad in this moment for this thing that has taken place. And I, I think that that is important for us to think about today, <laughs> is do you have that, that need to pause and rejoice? Is that missing in your life? If we look at the book of Nehemiah, we see this same catchphrase that has been so applicable through the entire book. We finally see that God's people are in God's place, experiencing God's presence. Does that mean that every hardship is, is addressed, that they are completely carefree at this moment? No, but they are saying this is the moment where we are choosing to celebrate everything that God has done. And when we look at the celebration that takes place in the uh, 12th chapter of Nehemiah, this celebration isn't just the people of Nehemiah getting together, or the people of Israel getting together for a barbecue. Like, it's not just a, hey, let, let's just hang out and, and chill for a little bit. No, this is real life celebration. There is sincere thanksgiving taking place. You know, if I was a better pastor, <laughs> I would time my, my teaching to like coincide with specific holidays. And, and like this would be like that Sunday, either right before or right after Thanksgiving. You'd be like, man, Matt, you really timed that well. So I just need you to like hang on to this for a month or so. That way, when we get to Thanksgiving, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. And now I can, you know, make this relevant to my life. Um, going back to our worship time. A question for us all to consider as we come to these communal times of worship and as we look forward to these times of celebration is, and it's a question that gets asked frequently here, do you mean it? If you look deep down, do you mean the words that you are saying? And it's so easy to sit here in church and say, well, of course I do. I, I'm here, aren't I? It, it's so easy for that just to be the default. But if we, we stop for a minute and think about what it is that we are saying, what are, what are the words that we're saying? It's, it's your breath in my lungs, and so I will pour out my praise to you. If that is what I am saying, do I really mean it? And this isn't, a, let me be clear, this is not a question that I can answer for you. This is not something where I have some hidden agenda because I don't think you do. <laughs> but we have to know that that is the case in order for us to show up and have sincere celebration. Otherwise, it is just us showing up for a barbecue. So Nehemiah 12 1 through 29, we have these spiritual leaders 
that came together and they had to contribute. They had to put some skin in the game. They had to put in effort so that God's people could connect to God at all times. So I'm not going to read the whole uh, chapter to you. There's another list of names. (laughs) In Nehemiah 12.1, it says, These were the priests and Levites who returned with Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel and Joshua, and Sariah and Jeremiah and Ezra. So we have this, this list then of priests that come. Skip down to, to verse 8 in Nehemiah 12, 8. The Levites were Yeshua, Benui, and Cadmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and also Mattaniah, who together with his associates was in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. So we have the priests, and then we have the, the Levites, and we have this specific guy with, with his associates who are now in charge of the songs of thanksgiving that will be used during this celebration. Nehemiah 12, 12, in the days of Jehoiakim, these were the heads of the priestly families. And then it gives us another list of the, the priestly families that are being involved in these celebrations. In 1224, it says, And the leaders of the Levites were Hashabiah and Sherebiah and Yeshua, son of Cadmiel, and their associates, who stood opposite them to give praise and thanksgiving, one section responding to the other, as prescribed by David, the man of God. One translation for that specific verse says that these two groups were giving praise watch by watch. What does that mean? It means that that praise and thanksgiving never stopped. That there were, were groups of people that were assigned to give praise and thanksgiving. And when that group got tired, they tagged in the other group. And when that group got tired, there was another group. And it came watch by watch by watch saying that this God is good enough to deserve praise all the time. The Lord is worthy of praise at all times. And so praise and worship from us should continue at all times. That was, that was the approach. That was the direction that was given to the people of Israel. Did you know that that hasn't changed? Now, does that mean that we're supposed to, <laughs> to have, you know, this, this like constant choir in your front room that is like <laughs> always going? No, it, it's, it's different, but it's the same. And so it comes down to that it's no longer a matter of the national uh, process that the people of Israel are going through in the city of Jerusalem, it now becomes a matter of my heart. Is my heart continually offering up praise to a God who is worthy of that praise, or is it being distracted by everything else that is going on in this world? And again, I can't answer that. What I can do is I can speak for myself and say there are absolutely times where it is getting distracted by the other things that are going on. Can I tell you, sometimes it's getting distracted by the stuff that's happening here. (laughs) Skipping down to 1227, it says, At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived 
And they were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of the cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netophathites, the, from Beth Gilgal and from the area of Geba and Asmaveth, for the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and the Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the walls. So what was starting to happen, just to kind of flesh this out a, bit, a little bit, and it's important to understand the context of what's going on here. These people were getting called in from all of the other areas because some of them didn't live in Jerusalem. Some of them lived in all of these other surrounding areas, but they were saying, hey, you need to now start coming into the city because this is the way we are going to worship God. And for a season, you will be here in the city. For maybe it's a couple of weeks. I don't know what this specific time frame is. You are going to be here for this period of time, and then you're going to leave and go back to your hometown, and you will serve the Lord that way there. But for a time, every single one of you is going to rotate through and serve here in bringing praise and worship to God on a continual basis. A system is in place that made sure that any time someone within the, the people of Israel came to participate in worship, a spiritual leader was ready to meet with them exactly where they were. So I, I, I think with, with that statement, we can now all of a sudden see some context that, that makes sense. So there is a, an expectation that, that spiritual leaders, that and it, Let's maybe get this out of the way. I'm not talking about just pastors, okay? This isn't like, hey, I just need to make myself available to you 100, you know, 100% 24-7. It's not just that. It's anybody who has a, a authority, anyone who has uh, eldership within the church, there, there needs to be a system in place that makes sure that when someone needs something within the church, when there is a need for direction, when there is a need for teaching, that that takes place, that there is someone to able to provide that to people that are searching for it. And then if we look at the next section, so God purifies the leaders. He purifies the congregation. He purifies the places that have been set apart for worship. And what we see here is the people of Israel going back to the direction that they were given when they left Egypt. All the way back. Because remember, they've spent 70 years, almost an entire generation, in exile. All of these things have been lost. And now they're coming back to this point of saying, okay, we need to figure out how we're supposed to and I'm going to say this, this is not meant to be irreverent. We need to figure out how to do God. Like, how, how do we do life with God? Like, what does that even look like for us? And so they go back to the directions of saying, 
you need to be sprinkled with blood. The, the priests need to be sprinkled with blood. The, the people need to be anointed with the, the sacrificial blood. The, the doorposts of your homes need to have blood on them. The, the church where we're going to worship, the temple where we're going to worship, there needs to be blood. Blood has to be involved. There has to be sacrifice. And so the, the people are, are saying that before we sing the songs that we are going to sing, and this is where it starts to get a little relevant to us today, before we sing the songs that we are going to sing, we need to make sure that we are ready to meet with God. Because they knew that they couldn't show up just the way they were. That they, they had something that they needed to do first. Now, church, can I tell you, there's been a shift. Because we don't have to take the lamb of the goat or the lamb of the sheep and apply it to, to our, our hands and our ears and everything else. None of that has to happen anymore. Do you know why? Because the blood of Jesus says that I can come just as I am. The blood of Jesus says that you can come just as you are. But for these people in this time, they had to get ready before they could sing the, the songs that they came to sing. And so it begs a question still, how did you prepare to come and meet with God today? How did you prepare to come and bring praise to God today? Again, I can't answer that question. That, that is a, a question you have to, to look inwardly at. And, and again, recognizing that it's not on you. you. You aren't the one responsible. But don't you think it's maybe going to be a little bit of a different outcome if somebody is rushed and, and is unable to focus on anything that is related to what God has planned for them for this moment before they... Put their person in the seat versus someone who, who wakes up in the mornings and still has the same struggles that everybody else has, right? This, I got to get my hair done the right way. I put a lot of time into this. Uh, <laughs> see, right? Maybe you have kids you have to get ready to get out the door. Maybe you have to drive a little ways to get here. Maybe there was car trouble. Maybe there was traffic. Maybe there was, you burnt breakfast. I don't know. Whatever those things, those things happen to everyone. But if there is a pause before or in the midst of that that says, God, even in the midst of the, the hustle and bustle, even in the midst of the noise and distraction of this time, I am preparing my heart for what you have planned for me today. I cannot help but think that that person is going to have a different experience in their interaction with what God has for them than the person that shows up and is like, man, I like just made it. <laughs> now, if you're that person that is here this morning, it's like, I just made it. <laughs> that, that's not judgment. That's not me, me saying like shame on you. But what it is saying is, is it's an encouragement of, of recognizing that God meets you right where you're at in that moment. And God will, will also meet you when you're ready to set aside time and say, God, I am, I am planning for this moment. Because can I tell you, God planned for this moment. Even though maybe you came in 
you know, just completely hair on fire, you know, just completely unaware of, of how everything was going to be happening today. God had a plan for this moment. I was thinking back to the first time that I interviewed for a job. I had my, my resume already. I, was, I think I was in high school. It was a, a summer job that I was trying to get like an internship at an um, engineering firm. And I had my resume ready. I, I was, had to make sure I dressed the right way and was concerned about the words that I was going to say and making sure that I, I did everything right. I didn't get the job. I didn't even get an interview. They said, oh, thanks, and they took the application and left. But, but that was the thought process, right, is I need to, to prepare myself. I, there, there are steps that need to be taken. If you maybe think about the, the first time that you went on a date, you get everything ready, <laughs> right? Like all the deodorant, like let's just dump all the cologne on, like, you know, all, all of those things. You're, you're brushing your teeth maybe like an extra 20 times. You're, 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 you're making sure that like your car is clean. You, you want to make sure that like the, the seat that the girl's going to sit in is nice. And I, I usually had a pretty clean car for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you want, it, you want it to be right. how are we supposed to treat that if I'm coming to meet God, the creator of the universe? If we start thinking about it in that context, am I maybe shortchanging things just a little bit? Skipping down to verse 31. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right towards the dung gate. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and then later on, we're going to get to the second half of that. So let's just think about this for a minute. Do you remember a few chapters back where we had these nobles that were, were volunteering to help, but then there was also these nobles that were like, I don't got time for that. This is not something I'm going to devote my time, effort, energy, or material to participating in. And now they are brought to stand on top of the wall that they chose not to assist with, saying, this is what God can accomplish even without you. What a correction. Can you imagine being that leader who is now standing on top of the wall as praise is being brought to, to God, the creator of the universe, who, who provided miraculously in this situation, saying, you had an opportunity to participate in this, and you didn't. God, I do not want that to be me. And do you also remember, if we go further back, what was it that the enemies of, of God's people were saying when they were trying to build the wall? That if a fox stands on that wall, it will fall down. And Nehemiah says, I will march choirs around 
this wall. On top of this wall, rather. This is what my God can do. And so we have the, this one group that is encircling the city on top of the wall in this direction. And the city was so large that Jeremiah's like, we need a second choir. And so he gets the second choir. And they're on top of the wall, marching the other direction. And they are encircling the city and permeating it with praise. And it was interesting because when they were talking about this, they were talking about the trumpets that were being blown. They were talking about the priests that were leading the city. I was thinking about another city that involved marching around it and that involved blowing trumpets and, and all of these things. <laughs> and a wall fell down. And yet here we have the people of Israel marching on the walls of Jerusalem And we see strength coming from it. Strength through worship. Strength through inviting God's presence into their everyday life. 31 through 42, it says, uh, actually, I'm sorry, it's 32 through 42. Hoshiah and half the leaders of Judah followed them, along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshullam, and Judah, and Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jeremiah, as well as some of the priests with trumpets, and also Zechariah, son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Zakur, and the son of Asaph, and his associates, Shemaiah, Azarel, Malali, Gilali, Mai, and all of these names, with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra, the teacher of the law, led the procession. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David, on the ascent to the wall and passed above the site of David's palace to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction and I followed them on top of the wall. He said on top of the wall a lot of times in this conversation. He wants to be very clear. We are on top. This wall is able to be walked on. Together with half of the people, past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall, over the gate of Ephraim, the Jeshanah gate, the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, the tower of a hundred, as far as the sheep gate, at the gate of the guard, they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. So did I, together with the officials, as well as the priests, Eliakim, Messiah, Miniam, Micaiah, Illinois, Zechariah, and Hananiah with their trumpets. And also Messiah, Shemiah, Eleazar, Uzi, Jehoanan, Mokijah, Elam, and Ezer. And the choir sang under the direction of Jezariah. And so what we have here is two choirs going around testifying to God's faithfulness. That's, that's the praise that's happening. Because think about it. These are the same people that built this wall. And so as they are walking on top of this wall, they are saying, God was faithful when I put this stone down. And God was faithful when I put this stone down. And God was faithful when I protected my family with this section of the wall. God was, was faithful when I was being attacked from this section. God was still faithful in the midst of all of these difficulties that I faced. God was faithful. 
The people had such great joy in God that the surrounding area took notice. In verse 43, it says, And on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. The city that used to be nothing, the city that used to be rubble and ashes, is bringing praise to God. What's going on in Jerusalem? That's what the surrounding people are thinking. Can that be the case for the church today? The city that used to be nothing is alive and well. The people sacrifice financially so that there could be a a focus on the spiritual. There could be a focus on the relationships that needed to be maintained between God and his people. If you look back at at when all the land was being handed out to the different tribes, there's an interesting thing that happens with the tribe of Levi. They don't get any land. Everybody else got land. The tribe of Levi didn't get any. You know what they got instead? It says, the Lord will be your portion. And as a Levi, I kind of see myself like, maybe the Lord and some land? <laughs> no? The Lord will be your portion. And so that's why it matters that the rest of the people say, This is an important enough aspect of our life that this has to be maintained, that we will support and not just support like, hey, you're doing a great job today. Not just a, yeah, I I showed up to your Bible study. It was really good. No, this is like, we need to get in and make it so that you can live life so that you can actually do the things that you need to do. So that you can do the things that God is calling you to do, rather. Let's just pretend for a minute that I'm just a guest speaker here. Let's just pretend that I'm not the pastor of the church right now for just a minute. And that whatever I say really doesn't matter because I'm not the actual pastor here. (laughs) Because what I'm about to say is going to sound self-serving. And it's not. And I don't want it to be. But this is how any spiritual leadership should be treated. It can't just be a matter of, I showed up. It can't just be a matter of, you're doing a great job. There has to be some level of recognition that the any spiritual leader, and it's not just the, the pastor at Wood Street Chapel, it's not just the, the senior pastoral leadership at any church, it's, it's anybody who is involved in leadership in a, a church position, there has to be a recognition that there's like actual real world things that need to be done for that person. They have real world obligations, real world needs that have to be met. And so, 
That is the responsibility of the church, all of the church, to then say, we are, are meeting those needs because there is that much importance in making sure that what is, is coming through that person, what God is doing through that person's life is relevant to me, is important to me, is what allows me to continue in what God has called me to do. All right, I'm the pastor again. So that isn't a negative statement that I'm making towards what Wood Street Chapel is doing. I want to be clear on that. That's not what this is. But it is a, a reminder that there is a level of importance, regardless of who the pastor is, that that, that is understood. We cannot treat anyone who is in that spiritual in a position of spiritual leadership as our tool i've heard people in other churches talk about how they pay the salary of the pastor nope those people they give sacrificially to god and god is what pays the pastor <laughs> That, that is the appropriate way to think of it. Can I tell you, I don't talk about this stuff very often, and, and I know sometimes it feels awkward. I give to this church. I don't pay my salary, okay? I give to God, and God provides for my, my family. And that's the expectation for all of us here. No one here is saying, hey, I, I'm giving money so that, that Matt can you know, put dinner on the table. No, I'm giving to God so that God can provide in all of the different ways that God provides at Wood Street Chapel. Does that make sense? Nobody thinks that I'm trying to like, go for a raise, right? That's, that's not what this is talking about here. <laughs> okay. But that's what we see in 44 through 47, is the people of God saying that there is, there, not only is this important, this is our national responsibility. As the people of God, as God's chosen people, we are required to do this. This is not a choice. And what we're going to see is when the people of God start thinking that it is optional, that is when the decline of the nation of Israel takes place. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you provide. God, we thank you that you are faithful in the things that you call us to. And God, as a response to your faithfulness, Lord, help us to take times to stop and celebrate. To celebrate and to be joyful in your victories. To be joyful in the successes that you lead us to. God, even in the midst of all other hardships that, take, that are going on in our life, help us to stop and be thankful for what you have done in our God, as we come and we bring praise and worship and glory to you, cause us to prepare ourselves, to prepare our hearts, to prepare our, our bodies and our minds, Lord, that we would come and we would, would be focused on what you have planned for your people in this moment.
knowing that you have, have orchestrated every event leading up to this point. God, we thank you for this time. Lord, we ask as we move into this coming week, Lord, we would find those moments to celebrate. We would celebrate the, the things that maybe at the moment seem, seem insignificant, and yet there's still cause for celebration. And then at the other extreme, the, the, that we would all come together and celebrate those things that are, are big. And that in that celebration, that celebration in itself would be a testimony to those that are, are looking at us saying, I want what they have. God, we ask it in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 